this is Lisa Moore. Today we're going to be talking about radiation safety and imaging today. I am the Vice President of Educational Services at Advanced Health Education Center. And my background, um, I have a Bachelor of Science in Radiologic Technology and a Registry in Radiography, QM, and Bone Density. A lot of my career was spent in quality management, even before Joint Commission uh, came through the radiology department. Um, I was in the, the grassroots part of that where we first started trying to figure out what we needed to monitor in QC. And it was in a unique position to be able to work with a lot of physicists um, at Baylor College of Medicine back in the day to help establish our goals and our expectations for our radiology department. For, especially for radiation safety and protection. So, and I always, that's always been a passion of mine. So how do you feel about radiation? Some people, um, radiation is an elusive thing because you can't see it and you can't taste it and you can't touch it and you can't hear it. So it becomes something of, well, yeah, sure, they say it's there, but you sort of put it in the back of your mind because you can't, you don't know what's gonna happen uh, specifically from each exposure that you might receive. As it, this little boy here, you know what's gonna happen to him if he does what he's about to do. And if that electronic um, electric panel is innervated, he's in trouble. Uh, but for, as far as radiation goes, if he was gonna get a substantial radiation dose by pushing that knife into that socket, we wouldn't be able to tell uh, unless it was a huge dose and he uh, he had an, a fairly immediate reaction. But regular x-rays and the doses that we uh, tend to work with patients in the patient spectrum for medical care are smaller. So it the immediate results uh, or the of radiation overexposure um, aren't really there. So let's discuss all the different types of radiation, causes, uh, reactions, and uh, what we can do to protect our patients and ourselves. So what do we need to know? We need to know what, what is radiation, how it's produced, the equipment that's available in our x-ray room, lab, um, how we protect ourselves, from exposure and by in, in measuring our radiation, where do we wear our badges? And what if uh, there's a pregnancy issue with us or with a fellow employee or a patient? So we're gonna talk about these and a few other things today. This is a four hour webinar, so relax and sink it all in. <laughs> What are your responsibilities as in your specific situation? Well, your office is responsible for, or, or your hospital, wherever you work, the environment that you work in. If they have radiation inducing equipment, extra equipment, then they're responsible for ensuring, assuring that adequate provisions are made for your safety. However, it's your responsibility still to work in a safe manner, to comply with radiation protection regulations, and also to report unsafe procedures to the Department of Health Bureau of Radiation Control. 
and the Texas Department of Health is on your screen. If you're from another state, um, just look up that state's Bureau of Radiation Control. You can Google, like if you were in Colorado, you could Google Colorado Bureau of Radiation Control and get a phone number. Reporting unsafe procedures is critical to, I mean, keeping other people safe, not just immediately, but down the road. Radiation is a form of, of light in photons. It's a invisible light. And the electromagnetic spectrum, which shows different wavelengths and frequencies of light, visible and invisible, is shown here on your screen. Now, I know it's a lot to take in, so let's start from the left. On the left, at the bottom, just look at the shaded light purple area. You have non-ionizing radiations. On the right, the darker purple shaded area, you have ionizing radiations. And notice right above that in the frequency range that the frequencies get faster, which means the distance between two places, two equal places on the wavelength above it, how often they pass a certain point. So the frequency they pass a certain point is the wavelength. Well, in the orange area, you can see the waves. And you can see that toward the non-ionizing radiation area, the waves are longer and have a longer, uh, a longer frequency. And as you go to the right side, where the purple side of the graph, in the orange area, the waves are shorter and closer together and they're higher frequency. On the left in the low frequency non-ionizing radiations, we have electromagnetic field radiation. And you can see the towers. If it's well known that if, you know, that if you live near uh, phone towers, there's an electromagnetic field and radio frequency there. Those are non-ionizing radiation. And if you're worried already, what does ionizing mean? Don't worry, we're getting to it. <laughs> ionizing radiation can take an electron out of an, a shell of an atom. It can, it can knock an electron and affect the cell. So it can cause change in a cell or kill the cell or do nothing to the cell. But we're, we're more concerned with ionizing radiations because they can change cells, okay? And atoms, change the atoms in your cells, okay? So that is more of a concern. However, we do want to not ignore that there are plenty of types of non-ionizing radiation that cannot remove an atom from the shell. So you have that, you have computers, very low frequency computer screen, radio waves like your cell phone, which we'll talk about. Microwaves fall in the range of radio waves and produce heat, not, ra not uh, ionizing radiation, but the radiation is there, just not, not, not ionizing. Infrared radiation and visible light. And somewhere toward the higher end of the visible light area into ultraviolet radiation, radiation becomes ionizing. So in our cosmos, uh, outside of our planet, there is ionizing radiation 
coming through our, our atmosphere. And then there's x-rays. And notice x-rays, the frequency is much faster. Um, and X, so in x-rays, you, you, once you got past ultraviolet and x-rays, uh, and you have gamma rays, even faster frequency. And all of those three are ionizing types of radiation. They can knock a uh, an atom's electron out of, the, out of the shell of an atom. Sources of radiation. Where do we, where does sources of radiation come from? Well, and I'm talking about ionizing radiation here. We have plenty of natural radiation coming through us every single day of our lives from outside of our atmosphere, cosmic rays from the sun, stars, the, and the universe. We have all kinds of radiation natural out there. And we'll talk about specific types in a moment. There's also terrestrial radiation, which is radiation from the earth itself and from man-made uh, building materials from the earth itself. And naturally occurring radionuclides in our body. You were born radioactive in that you have particles in your body from the food your mother ate and you ate um, in the womb <laughs> and all the way through today. I mean, you eat food that grows in the earth, the earth's radioactive, so therefore your food is radioactive. You eat animals that eat the food that grows in the earth that's radioactive, and therefore you are radioactive. We'll talk about some of those sources. Your exposure to radiation could never be zero because background radiation is always present. So from the sky, terrestrial uh, cosmic radiation, you have about 100,000 cosmic ray neutrons and 400,000 secondary cosmic rays passing through you, the average person, every hour. Wow, right? Most do no harm. From the air, you have about 30,000 atoms of radon, polonium, bismuth, and lead disintegrating each hour in your lungs and giving off alpha and beta particles and even some gamma rays. Wow, right? And yet, you're still around. <laughs> From your diet, you have about 15 million potassium-40 atoms disintegrating inside each of you every hour, all giving off high-energy beta particles and some even emitting gamma rays. Similarly, approximately 7,000 natural uranium atoms disintegrate inside a person each hour, releasing alpha particles. It's a lot, right? Lot to take in, but this is happening, and it always has been. From soil and building material, more than 200 million gamma rays pass through the average individual each hour. Now, gamma rays are high-intensity rays, and most go through without interaction. So here we, hi, I'm curious always. And so I um, looked online, dug around to find what, what type of radionuclides are inside my body all the time. And this is what I found. And it's kind of interesting, has a daily intake of radionuclides <laughs> and a total activity of them. 
but the most important thing I was looking for is what is in there. What's in the human body? And it's uranium, thorium, potassium-40, radium, carbon-14, tritium, and polonium. From the foods we eat and breathe. Cosmic radiation is, again, emitted by the sun and stars, and it's affected by altitude. What types of radiation fall under that category? Well, you have carbon-14, which interestingly, look at the half-life on carbon-14, 5,730 years. That means it'll be half of its strength in 5,730 years. <laughs> Hydrogen-3 or tritium, that's half, the half-life for that is 12.3 years. And beryllium-7, the half-life for that is 53.28 years. You have to be 50, if you just think if you had a little beryllium in you from cosmic rays uh, <laughs> shooting through you in 53.28 years, half, half of the value of the beryllium would be reduced. Half of the radioactivity of the beryllium would be reduced. And then we have terrestrial radiation under in the earth and in our ground and in mountains and in everything that grows and in the products that we make from everything in the earth. Radon is found in the ground and concrete and bricks and gypsum wallboard and even in your granite countertops. Thorium deposits in the earth. There's other radionuclides in the ground. It all depends a lot on where you live. The natural terrestrial radiation types are uranium-235 and 238, thorium-232, potassium-40, radium-226, radon-222. And I was wondering, well, what if you just lived on, you know, a, a, a cruise ship and you just worked on a cruise ship your, most of your life? Well, then maybe you couldn't get this terrestrial radiation, but that's not true either because in the ocean I looked it up and um, there's uranium, potassium-40, tritium, carbon-14, and rubidium-87. So there you go. There's no way to get away from it on this planet or outside this planet <laughs> as far as we know. In our natural building materials, there's uranium, thorium, and potassium found in things like granite, sandstone, cement, limestone, concrete, Sandstone, concrete, drywall board, byproducts in natural gypsum, wood, and clay brick. So there you go, your home if you have a, a nice brick house with the limestone um, area around your swimming pool and some granite countertops and wallboard in your, you know, which everyone does have, <laughs> your drywall um, in your home you have natural radioactive particles in your home and there's nothing you can do about it. Well, I guess there's something. You could live in a tent, but that would be a little bit dangerous, <laughs> probably, depending on where you live, I guess. Um, oh, wait, back to that. One more thing. Um, when we were talking about terrestrial radiation, the the lower you are to sea level, the less cosmic radiation you have. And also, as far as natural radi uh, terrestrial radiation goes, 
if you're on a mountain and you could lay that mountain out flat so you would you would reduce the area and volume of what's inside the mountain so so you would have less radiation if you have a case where you're living in the mountains you actually are closer to the cosmic radiation plus you have a greater area underneath you of radioactive particles if that makes sense so that you can think about it in the right way so the higher you are from sea level the higher your risk of more radiation exposure than people who live at sea level or lower than you So let's talk about some types of radiation that are man-made now that we've talked about what we're exposed to no matter what. Man-made radiation types, there's quite a few actually, but um, diagnostic x-rays are just one of them. We use x-rays to look at our teeth, uh, to, to look for cavities and gum disease. We use x-rays to look and anywhere in our body for disease processes or to follow up on surgeries or whatever. We know there are lots of types of x-rays, CT, uh, bone density, mammography, angiography, I'm leaving out bunches, um, fluoroscopy. We have all types of routine x-rays and the list goes on and on. There are also other types of man-made radiation, things like uh, nuclear gauge counters that are used to measure the density of the earth so that contractors can build freeways or foundations for new development areas or stores or homes or whatever. They use these nuclear gauge devices to test, send out radioactive uh, waves and have it come back to the device and measure uh, the how dense the ground is before they build. Those are used by Texas Department of Transportation, TxDOT. They're also used by every other dot in the country, in whatever state you live in. So there's radioactive equipment out there used by people who are not x-ray techs all the time. There's also bigger types of radioactive equipment like that's man-made like nuclear power plants. But what didn't take very long in the world of gas prices for people to come up with a better way to source out in many different ways to, to get the energy that we need. And as you can see on this pie slash, I'm not sure it's quite a pie, but circle chart <laughs> on your right hand side. In 2008, so it's pretty much the same now, even though it's been quite a long time, a decade later, <laughs> um, you can see that coal is 40.8% of the world's ele uh, electricity production, energy production, and then gas, and then water, so hydro, all types of water, and then nuclear is 13.4%. That's a big chunk of the world's electricity production. Oil's only 5.5. And then all other sources like solar, et cetera, fall into that 2.8%.
that number is the only number up there that's substantially grown since this chart was made. And just and it wouldn't be more than a percentage or two, but it's it has grown. We use nuclear power in the United States. Other countries use nuclear power because it's very easy to do. It's expensive to, to, to of course, to make a reactor and to run a reactor, but it, it's easy to do to cause the reaction and the fusion and then have that power sent out and used all over the area where you're, where that power plant is. So it's, it's a good source of power. However, not without risks, as we know. Did you enjoy this podcast? The remainder of this course is available via our famous webinar program. To view our course schedule, just visit us online at www.ahecconline.com or give us a call at 1-800-239-1361. See you soon.